Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. And we're going to kind of put a bow on this series called Summer Fruit today. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm passionate about this because I've seen it work in my own life. And it's pretty impressive when you start to think about what, what fruit of the Spirit really means. Because here's, here's what it is. It's this outward evidence that God is doing something and changing something on the inside of us. And I want to start by just reading this scripture. And it's a pretty powerful statement made by Jesus himself. And I'll just read it to you. It goes like this. John 15, 1, Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. And listen to this. This got me. And my father is the gardener. That's interesting to me because God goes by hundreds of titles and names in the Bible. I don't know why, but I missed this one over the last 20 years of my life. As I was preparing for this message, that was just good for me to hear. God is a gardener, and he's a good gardener at that. And here's every gardener's goal. They want to make things grow, right? Now think about how God started all of creation. Started it in a garden, right? The Garden of Eden. And it was this perfect paradise and, and here's what he, what he purposed to do through this garden, to grow good things for his people and ultimately to grow his people as they ate good things, right? Now, I think this is kind of ironic and kind of funny. Fruit kind of got us into the mess we're in to begin with, right? Like, that's interesting to me. And here's the cool thing. Fruit can get us out of this mess too. The more we grow in God, the more we become like him, the more his fruit, the fruit of the spirit develops in our life. So that's what this series has been about. And I just want you to know this today as we as we kind of open up God's word. I want you to know that God wants to grow you. He does. God wants to grow you, and it happens through a process. So today the title of my message is Growing God's Way. We don't just want to grow our way, we want to grow God's way. And Colossians 1:10 says it this way, Paul, just to give you a little context. He said, "Hey, I haven't stopped praying for you, this church in Colossae. And here's what he goes on to say. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and praise him in every way. Here's the cool part. Bearing fruit in every good work. And here's that word again, growing in the knowledge of God. So here's the takeaway. The more we know, the more we grow. When we know better, we do better. And so that's the design of a relationship with God is that as we begin and continue to know about him, and to know him in a true relationship, then it actually grows us. The more we know, the more we grow. And here's a cool byproduct. When we grow as individuals, God grows his church. And there are all kinds of scriptures in the Bible proving this. I'll give you one. Acts 16, 15 says it this way. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew. I like that. So this is by God's design that as we individually know more about him, encounter his love and his grace and his mercy, then the more we do that, we're going to actually grow his church as a byproduct. And here's the cool thing. The Bible says that one man sows and another man waters, but God makes it grow. Only God can make you grow, and only God can grow the church. So the question is, how does he do it? What's that process look like? How do we grow God's way? And continuing in John chapter 15, Jesus goes on to say in verse 5, I am the vine. Then he says something else. He enters us into the equation. He says, you are the branches. And if, this is a pretty big if, 
But he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, listen to what he goes on to say. Here's how he ends it. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what can we gather from this scripture? Well, first of all, God wants us to bear a lot of fruit because it actually brings him glory. And the more that we bear fruit, the more we show his love and self-control and peace and perseverance and long-suffering in our life, the more it actually glorifies God. But I love this. It also says, by this you will know that you're my disciples. So in other words, fruit is a defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus. Followers produce fruit. And I don't know about you, sometimes I can just kind of gravitate more to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And listen, hear me, gifts of the Holy Spirit are good, and the Bible says eagerly desire them, so we should always pursue that. But here's, here's the reality. You can pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the neglect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Think about this, 1 Corinthians 13 says that some people will speak in the tongues of men and of angels and do these great big things, but without love, which happens to be a fruit of the Spirit, it's just noise. It's just a, a symbol clanging together. It doesn't really impact or change any lives. And I think it's why Jesus said that one day, some people will come to him and say, Jesus, we casted out demons in your name. We did all of these grand works for God in the gospel. And he'll say, depart from me because I never knew you. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is actually what produces the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's actually what makes way and paves the way for God to do the things he wants to do in our lives. So the question is, man, how do we grow God's way? What would that process look like? I want to just show you a couple ways to do that this morning. I would highly encourage you to take notes. I really believe that'll help you as you walk through your week. And I'm going to give you five ways that we can grow God's way. I'm going to actually parallel this with things that good gardeners do. Uh, my wife and I, Aaron, we, we've been kind of cultivating a garden. And I wouldn't say we're, we're real great at it yet, but we're on the journey. And so this summer has been kind of fun because we've just been learning along the way. And so I wanna just take a few things that good gardeners do and I wanna show you how God grows us his way. Here's the first thing that a good gardener does. A good gardener eliminates competition. You know, when you first plant something that is going to produce fruit, it's in a pretty vulnerable place. One of the things they tell you you have to make sure you do is eliminate anything else that's planted in that same soil that's going to actually steal nutrients from the thing you want to grow in the first place. And so the primary thing that can stand in the way of its growth is something called weeds, right? Weeds, they grow really fast, and they are actually sucking the nutrients from the soil that the plant that you're trying to grow needs desperately, and Jesus had a lot to say about this. Matthew 13, 22, this is the parable that we call the seed and the sower. And listen to what he says. The seed that fell among the thorns, or another translation says weeds, represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. I don't know if, if you've ever noticed this in your life, but kind of by default in our culture today, we can let things crowd out the word of God. We can get distracted by the worries of this life. It's just easy to do. And I think the enemy is crafty enough to know that he's probably not gonna get most of us to stop following Jesus in our lifetime, but he knows he could at least distract us from his purpose. And he knows that if I can begin the process 
of distraction, then ultimately I can lead them to destruction. And I just want to ask you, how many moments have we missed because we are so concerned and consumed with the worries and the cares of this life? You know, for, for the sake of my message today, I'm going to call them WMDs, weapons of mass distraction. Sometimes I think we're not even aware that like maybe we're carrying them in our pocket, Right? Like, I don't know about you, but like, this is one of the most amazing things that I have in my life. But if I'm not careful, this thing that was designed to help connect me with people and enhance my life can actually disconnect me from people and can bring destruction in my life. It's all how we see it. Now, listen, I have no problem with, with phones and smartphone technology. I actually have a fruit on the back of my phone. That represents the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Hello, give me an amen on that. And so... Can I just reason for you, with you for a second, though? I just heard just, just this week that there are five brand new mental disorders that have been cataloged in the manual this year directly connected to smartphone technology. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. It, it kind of shocked me, but Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, neither of them allowed their teenagers to own a smartphone. They are the people that created and perfected the technology. Is, is there something in that? Maybe. I think, I think that might be the case. You know, I was, I was just researching a little bit, and one of the things that I discovered, I was just curious, how many times a day do we touch these things? Do we interact with them? And you want anybody have a guess? Like, I was thinking maybe it was like, I don't know, 100 or 200 times a day. We're talking about touching this thing, interacting with it every day, 2,617 times on average. And the people that are really addicted get up to 5,000 times a day that they are touching and interacting with this thing. It's not a problem. It's not bad in and of itself, but it can become a distraction from what God wants to do in our life, from the purpose that he has for us. And I just want to ask you, are you feeding the weeds or are you feeding the seeds? Because you can't, you can't feed both. Either we're going to feed the seeds that God is planting and he's going to grow us his way, or we're going to feed the things that are actually distracting us from what God's trying to do in, his life, in our life. And, and it could look any number of ways. And so I'm just going to challenge you to begin to take an assessment and ask God, what are the things that are standing in the way of me and you? What's crowding our relationship? What, what worries am I allowing to stay present? I'm so focused on that that I'm not focused on you. That's the first thing that a good gardener does. They eliminate the competition. Here's the second one. Good gardeners prune. Good gardeners prune. I'm just going to read you kind of the definition of pruning. I think most of us are familiar with it. And another one that's closely related is called thinning. And so here's what it says. Uh, it's when you trim a, a tree or a shrub or a bush by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. I think what God is saying is sometimes we have to cut back to move forward. Sometimes we have to take away even good things. You know that pruning a lot of times actually targets fruitful parts of the tree so that it can produce more fruit. It got me thinking about Gideon, right? I mean, Gideon has this army assembled of 32,000 men. It's all because he obeyed God and he was doing the right thing. And then God says, you have too many men. And so he whittles it down from 32,000 to 300. Why did God do that? Well, we could teach a whole message on it, but I think at the core what God was saying is, hey, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to trust me. And I can do more with 300 than you can do with 32,000, so trust me. 
Some of us, I think, are maybe just one cut away from more fruitfulness. We just have to be willing to surrender our lives to him. You know, I was at this conference just this last week, and it was called the Grow Intensive at Church of the Highlands. And can I just tell you, it was probably the most amazing, impactful conference I've ever been to. Church of the Highlands is pastored by Chris Hodges, and it's only 16 years old. They have 40,000 people coming on a weekend, and this is what blew me away, 47,000 people in connect groups. And there's just something to that. And so he asked this question, and it really rocked me. Like, I had to think, man, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I want to find out. Here's the question he asked me, and I'm going to ask you this morning. What one thing, if it got better, would change your life? What one thing, if it got better, if you changed it, if you cut it, if you allowed God to prune it, would change your life? I know what my one thing is. I'm not going to tell you. But, but I know what my one thing is. What's yours? Because so many times we're just one cut away from greater, greater fruitfulness. And the thing about pruning is it actually helps us to figure out our priorities, right? Sometimes it helps us to just see like, wow, this is the most important thing in my life. And pruning is never pretty. Pruning actually looks counterproductive. It kind of looks like that looks uglier than before. How could that be good? I don't know about you, but have you ever just found yourself in your times with God just saying, God, why does it look like the people surrounding me, they're doing well, and they're not even serving God. They're not even following Jesus. They're heathens, and things are going well. And in my life, as soon as I decided to follow God, everything went crazy. Well, this is why. Because it's actually an indicator that God's doing something in your life. And sometimes fruitfulness actually gets rewarded with pruning, which creates more fruitfulness. Good gardeners prune. So here's the third one. Good gardeners guide growth. Good gardeners guide growth. I want to show you a picture. You guys, I'm sure many of you have seen something like this. It's called a trellis. And a trellis is really, at the most basic level, a support system for fruit to grow, for plants to grow. It guides the growth. And so... I want you to, I'm just going to state a few obvious facts, and then I want to kind of show you how they apply to our life. When we don't have structure, it creates a strain. I don't know if you knew this about plants, but a plant that's really fruitful can actually collapse under its own growth. It can snap the, the stem or the stalk of the plant, and it can stop producing fruit, or it becomes way less productive. So no structure equals strain. Here's, here's the other side of it. When you have structure, it creates strength. When there's structure and a support system, there's sustainability. And if you want to see a vine or a plant reach peak fruitfulness, have a support system. Have a stability system that's, that's helping it to grow. I, I mean, we're in the body of Christ. Think about this. Bodies have support systems. They're called skeletons, right? You can't even see them, but they're doing a lot of work beneath the surface of your skin. So I want to just ask you, what's your support system this morning? Like, who are the people built into your life that are helping you to grow God's way? Who are the people in your life that are actually encouraging fruitfulness in your life? Because no support creates strain, and you can produce fruit for a little bit of time without God's people and without a support system in a local church, but you'll never have sustainability. You'll never go the long haul. You'll, know, you'll never go the long distance until Jesus comes back producing fruit unless you have a support system because, because that creates strength. I'll give you a great example. 
Over the last couple of weeks, my wife and I, we've gone through just like kind of a tough little season with our kids. We have two kids, Joey's eight, and Riley's about to turn six in August, and, and they weren't feeling well, and Joey had pneumonia, and Riley was dealing with some asthma. It was just kind of a tough month. Yeah, anybody ever been there? And I want to say thank you for everyone that told us you're praying for us. We feel your prayers. Thank you so much. Uh, but one of the things that I just really felt God did for me in this last week was he just sent some people as a support system to my wife and I. And it happened in all kinds of different ways. I mean, I have an amazing support system right here at Believer's Church. And it's amazing just to walk through the lobby sometimes and feel the encouragement and the love. I don't know about you, but when I'm not here for a weekend, I feel it. I just feel like I got to get back to God's house because like better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, right? There, there's just something about it. But, but God also did this at this grow intensive. I, I met some people and I had some friends there and we just got to talk. And actually just two days ago, I got to talk to this guy named Dustin Woodward. So this Wednesday is John Nuzzo. Next first Wednesday is a guy named Dustin Woodward. And He's just a cool guy. I've always known of him, but we decided to invite him to our church because we really felt like he had something that he could put into our students and into our adults. They have this amazing ministry. He grew up a pastor's kid, and I started comparing notes, and his wife is a worship leader, so is mine. He does the exact same thing at his church as I do at mine. He's about my age, and I start just realizing God placed him in my path. God planted him in my life so that he could actually encourage me and be a support system. And he felt the same way. And 20 minutes later, we're like, oh, man, our dads and moms have to meet. Like, this is, this is a good connection. This is a God connection. And uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this phrase, but there's a really fascinating thing that happens when you're growing plants called cross-pollination. And uh, I'm no biologist by any stretch, but as I was studying it, it just kind of blew me away because there are actually plants, fruit-bearing plants, that will never reach fruitfulness at all unless they have other fruit-bearing plants that are planted in the same soil as them. As a matter of fact, like they will produce nothing unless that other plant pollinates them. And I got to thinking about this and I thought, man, that's, a, that's an appropriate name because I think in the body of Christ, what God's calling us to do is to take what he's done in our life through the cross and help other people to become fruitful too. It should never just end with us and our fruitfulness and what God's doing in our life. It ought to impact other people. Are you cross-pollinating with other people in God's church? Should be. Because listen, you will never reach your full potential without people. You can try all you want. You might be able to go for a short span, but you'll never reach your full potential without people. And the cool thing is, that's what a church is all about. It's this support system. Did you know that in a given weekend, there are people that are here rejoicing and celebrating because it was a great week and they got the promotion and life is going well at home and everything seems to be great. And in the same weekend, in the same room, maybe a few seats over in your row, there is someone who is struggling. There's somebody that has a problem in their relationship. They're walking through the difficult road of separation or divorce. They have kids that are not serving God. And guess what? God's design was that cross-pollination would encourage people to keep serving him and keep coming back. You know, Albert Einstein, he made this statement that I thought was pretty cool. He said the single most powerful force in all of the, in the universe is compound interest or multiplied interest. Let me explain what, what he meant. If you, if you had two Lego blocks and you stacked them together just in as many ways as you could, there are 24 different combinations that you would have, 24 uh, two, two Lego blocks together, 20, 24 combinations. Now, if you up that to three Lego blocks, guess how many it goes to? 900, 
And if you up it to just six Lego blocks, wait for it, 900 million. Can you believe that? That's how many combinations you can stack together with just six Lego blocks. That blew my mind. What is that? That's compound interest. It's saying that we are so much better together than we are apart, that God can do so much more building us together as his church when we are planted together with cross-pollination. And so I just want to ask you, who are the people that God's placed in your life that can help you reach your full potential? If you haven't joined a group yet, this is the semester to do it. Don't wait another semester. You're going to have a chance in just a couple of weeks to do life with people for about eight weeks. And I promise you, I guarantee if you are committed to that process, God will grow you. I guarantee you, God will lead you to the right people that will help you to discover and reach your full potential. Because this is how God works. Good gardeners guide growth. Here's the next one. Good gardeners guard growth. God guides our growth, but he guards our growth too. Luke 6.43 says it this way. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. And if you skip a couple verses again, here's what it says. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So what you say flows from what is in your heart. And, and I believe this is why the Bible is very clear. It says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the boundaries of your life. So here's a cool connection. When we guard our heart, we're actually guarding our harvest. When we take care of what is inside of here and we make sure that the things that don't belong inside here don't come in, it actually protects what God is producing in our life. My wife and I, when we started planting our garden, one of the things that we realized is there are a lot of scavengers in our neighborhood, a lot of things that would love to get in there and kind of eat and steal what we're trying to grow. And so what do we do? Well, like any good gardener, we put a fence up. We put a boundary between the scavengers and, and the fruit. And, and so I want to ask you, are you fencing in your fruit? Are you protecting what God is producing in your life? I want to show you another picture. This is a tomato cage. And uh, not only is this guiding the growth of the tomato, but it's guarding it. It's guarding it. And, and here's what I've noticed in my relationship with God and in so many people that I help Here's what the enemy wants to convince you of. He wants, you, he wants to convince you that God's limits are actually limitations. That God's protection is prevention. He did it in the Garden of Eden. Think about this. God gives them this perfect paradise. And he says, you can have all of this. Just don't go near this one tree. What does the enemy do? His slithery little self comes up and he says, that's the one good thing in the garden. He's trying to keep the best from you. And he convinces them that God is not for them and God is not good. And then they actually go for the one thing that could bring destruction in their life. I think what you got to know is that this isn't a cage. This is a covering. And it might feel restricting, but it, it's not a limitation. It's just a limit where God is protecting you so he can keep producing what he wants to in your life. You know, my daughter, Riley, I mentioned to you she hasn't been feeling well and so one of the things that they tell you to do is they give us this nebulizer, which is this breathing treatment, and it's this big machine, and you press the button, and it's super loud, and it makes all this medicine go into her mask, and then it kind of gives her uh, new breath, and it helps her to breathe. It opens up her lungs, and so she hates it like any kid would. She's only five, and she doesn't want to miss one moment of the day. 
she wants to hang out with everybody and she wants to experience the best that day has to offer, right? So we try to sweeten the deal and we'll put like her favorite show on and she's watching that and, and I don't know why, but just as we were, we were giving her these breathing treatments every four hours, we were noticing that they were taking less and less time to finish. So we're like, that's weird because it's the same amount of medicine. Why is it getting shorter and shorter? And so we'd look in her, little, in her little mask and we'd see that all the liquid was gone. So we were like, this is apparently just works differently at different times. And this one time my wife got the bright idea that potentially Riley was dumping out the medicine and uh, <clears throat> parenting. And so she started kind of spying on her, you know, when she was doing the breathing treatment and she could not figure out when it was happening. Well, finally, she, this one time, it only took four minutes. It's supposed to take 15. <laughs> Riley flew too close to the sun, baby. <laughs> and, and so all of a sudden, Aaron sees her playing in the corner, and she's like, hey, Riley, why did your breathing treatment finish so quickly? And she's like, I don't know. And, uh, and she was like, did you dump out your medicine? And Riley looked, looked her in the eye and said, nothing. <laughs> and we were like, oh, that's, that's guilt written all over that face. And finally, she fessed up to it. And we said, Riley, this is, this is a good thing for you, and it might make you feel like you're, you're having to sit out from good things, but it's actually going to enhance your experience in your life when you walk away from it. And I wonder how many times God is just trying to get us to sit still long enough to guard our growth, long enough to protect what he's producing in our life. And it might feel like he's, he's limiting us, but he's actually protecting us, and he's actually producing the greatest amount of fruit in our life. Good gardeners guard growth. Here's, here's the final one as we kind of round third this morning. Good gardeners care. They just do. Good gardeners care. Um, my father-in-law, his name is Jeff. He also happens to be a pastor in the Columbus area. My mother-in-law, Linda, they are amazing gardeners. And one thing I can tell you is they really care about their garden. Like if you looked at my garden and you compared it to their garden, there's one thing you'd know. They care way more than I do about their garden. It's the TLC that makes it grow, though. I mean, he has these massive yields, and over and over again, they get these amazing, beautiful harvests. And can I tell you what he does? This is hilarious. My, my father-in-law is musical, like my wife. So he will bring his guitar out to his garden, and he will sing to his plants. He talks to them. He encourages them. He gives them back rubs. I'm not kidding. He massages his plants. He really does. And I thought he was crazy. And then I start seeing his yields, and I'm like, maybe I need to massage my plants too. I don't know. But it's, it's crazy because I started studying this, and it's amazing. They, they do these long-term studies of plants that are in greenhouses with vibration and sound and good vibes, and they grow way better than the ones without them. And when you touch a plant, you actually create these micro-fractures in, in their stem and in, in the fiber of the plant, and it makes them go into hyper-production mode. And so there's science to this, and I just got to thinking, man, this is, this is how much God cares about us. You know, we would never have a problem committing to God's process if we knew how much he cared about us. But I think sometimes because we don't realize how much God cares and how much good he has in store for us, it's hard for us to commit to the process of being planted so he could produce fruit. And I'm telling you, we need God's touch in our life. We need God's voice in our life. That's actually the thing that makes us come most alive. If you're going through a tough time right now and you don't have God's touch and you don't have God's voice, you need it. 
That's the key ingredient to your growth is, is living a life where you're in communication with a God that really loves you and cares about you. I mean, he makes us this promise that we can actually cast our cares on him because he cares about us. And every burden and every problem that you're going through, he's going through it with you. You know, one of the quotes that I've heard, they actually can't pinpoint who, uh, who originated the quote, but I found this one person. I can't pronounce their name, so any of the teachers in the audience, feel free to correct me afterwards. But, but you know what they say? The best fertilizer comes in the shadow of the gardener. I like that. Because here's what they're saying. Good gardeners care so much that they're really always there. That they, they put so much TLC into that garden and I love that because here's what the Bible says about God. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. He's always there. I mean, when we sleep, he, it says he gives his beloved sweet sleep so we can sleep because he never does. He never sleeps or slumbers. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. This is how good our God is. And I like this, this scripture, Psalm 91.1. Remember, the best fertilizer is in the shadow of the gardener. Well, Psalm 91 proves that. It says, whoever lives under the shelter of the Most High, will remain in the shadow of the Almighty. Are you living in God's shadow? And I like that it says, lives under. Because you know what that tells me? There's a, there's a sense of commitment. There's this decision that you're going to be planted, not just when you need nutrients, not just when you're going through tough times, but all the time I'm planted and rooted in God's house. This is, this is the picture. And here's the cool thing. When we can trust our lives to God's process and we realize that he's so good, that all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of lights, that there's no bad in him, when we can fully entrust ourselves to that process, then we start to realize our full purpose and potential. Now, I've heard it said that anybody can count the number of seeds inside of an apple, but only God knows the amount of apples inside of a seed. Now, I wonder how many people right now here at Believer's Church have this potential that needs to be unlocked inside of you. And there's some people in your future that are going to be connected to Jesus because of your fruitfulness and faithfulness today. And there's this compound interest, there's this multiplied impact that we could have if we just entrusted ourselves to that process. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's just have a moment with God. I really believe he wants to speak to you. I want to just ask you to begin to think about that question. What one thing, if it changed, my life would change too? What one thing, if it got better, would change my life forever? I know mine. What's yours? What people is God trying to put you in their path so you can reach your full potential? Some of you, God has been nagging you for years to start a connect group. This is the semester you're going to do it. We really feel passionate. Believer's Church is not a church with connect groups. Believer's Church is a church of connect groups. We believe every single person needs one. It's the plan for discipleship in our church. If, you, if you're not a part of, of a group, this is the semester. Begin to pray about that. What would that look like? Maybe God is trying to guard the growth in your life. He's trying to guide you through some things with the support system, but you haven't connected and committed to a local church. Hey, it doesn't have to be this one. I could recommend 10 other amazing churches here in Trumbull County and Mahoney County, but you need one. Find one. Commit to it. That's how God works. I want you to just repeat this after me. Say, God, I'm ready to grow your way. Speak to me, and I'll take a step.
in Jesus' name. Everyone's heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. I want to just extend one more invitation. If that's you this morning, you're like, man, I'm excited about that. I'm ready. I, I, I want to take a step. Then that's amazing. Now, there are some that have never taken the first step. And the first step in following God is acknowledging Jesus as your Savior. We live in a world that tells you there's all kinds of different ways to God. Jesus, he actually flips that on its head and he says, no, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to my Father in heaven except through me. I'm the gate. I'm the door. And he made it really simple. He said, if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. What are you saved from? You're, you're rescued from an eternity separated from him in a place called hell, and you inherit an eternity with him in a place called heaven. And here's the coolest part. You don't wait for the one day. Jesus wants to come into your life today and help you through every moment of your life. He cares about every minute detail. So here's the question. Have you surrendered? Salvation is just surrender at its core. It's saying, God, I give you full and complete control of my life. You can have it all. Jesus, you sit in the driver's seat now. You make the decisions. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. So if that's you, and you've never made that decision before, or maybe you need to make a recommitment to that decision this morning. I don't know where you are, but God does. And he makes it so simple. He says, just pray this prayer, mean it in your heart, and take a step. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. There's no perfect people allowed at Believer's Church. But all of us are asked to take a step. So there are tons of people here that have made this decision already. They're going to help by repeating this prayer. And I'm going to invite you, if that's you for the first time, repeat this after me. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life that was given for me on a cross so I could live. And I decide to follow you today for the rest of my life. Jesus, you have my heart. You have my life. Take control. I am a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Now everyone's heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. You know, the Bible says that heaven literally erupts with celebration. They're throwing a party. If just one person on planet earth prayed that prayer. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.